Bonjour, bonsoir, dear friends, and welcome to JCB Happy Hour. Tonight, we're going to stay in Northern America. We're going to go to British Columbia. We're going to meet a very charming, very intellectual, extremely cerebral, beautiful redhead. Her name is Barbara Phillips. She is one of the most influential women in the wine world. She runs the entire retail of the selection of all the wines that goes into British Columbia. Lots of power as a little woman, not in brain and power and energy, but just in height. And she has an incredible palate. She's a master of wine, an incredible education in theater, hospitality, and wine. She's an amazing example for all of you ladies from all around the world as how you start from hospitality and you become an incredible leader in the wine world. I'm delighted to bring a great friend, the famous Barbara Phillips. Yes! Bonjour! Bonjour, Barbara! Hop là! I know if it was your last day of life, that's what you would want, Bubbles. Is it still true? It is absolutely 100% true. <laughs> well, we selected for you today Louis Bouillot Rosé because every time I've met you, you have that gorgeous red hair color with those beautiful blue eyes. It's a temptation. And as I cannot look at you too long in the eyes because I start to blush, I look at my glass. <laughs> so, santé. Santé. So, Barbara, how does it feel to be from theater to wine? How does that happen? It, it's quite natural. I think anybody who has worked in the theater, you know, I, I have a degree in theater and I, I worked a little bit in it and, and loved it tremendously. Don't regret any of those years. But I have to say, I didn't work regularly in the theater. So I always had a restaurant job. And, uh, you know, as the years went by, I started to really, really enjoy my work in the restaurant and was getting less acting work, focusing on the restaurant. And, you know, kind of thought, I love this business so much. I think this is actually my career, but I'm really not very good in the kitchen. I was a front of house person, 100%. But in those days, I don't think I even really knew what a sommelier was, or I, I wasn't really sure what that would look like. Um, but in the meantime, you know, we'd been going, my husband and I had been going on, on wine tours, tasting, you know, reading a lot, sort of as bedtime stories, we were reading, reading to ourselves from the World Atlas of Wine. And, oh. you know, one day I had a, a, a chef friend of mine, he, he ran a very small restaurant, phoned me up and said, the sommelier quit last night. Can you come in for an interview tomorrow? And, you know, Ian and I looked at each other and we just thought, you know what, if I go for this job, this is it. This is the career change. I'm going to take it seriously. And I was lucky enough to get the job, even though, as I say, I wasn't really sure what a sommelier was at that time. Um, but I got the job and I thought, you know what, if I'm going to commit to front of house and I'm going to commit to serving wine to people, I want to know as much about it as I can. And like many people starting their wine education journey, I had no idea at the depth and breadth and, and um, 
just the whole magnitude of what wine education was about. Um, but also like many people, once I started, I, I couldn't stop. And that's really what led me through the Wine and Spirit Education Trust programs and then on to Master of Wine. And I continued to work in, in the restaurant and also had started training sommeliers going around North America and you know, doing training and education. And then a very rare thing happened. The, the buying job or the portfolio manager job for European wines at BC liquor stores came available. And uh, for me, this is a, a dream job. It sort of, um, and still does blend the knowledge of wine, which I love, and the diversity of wine that particularly Europe has to offer, along with the business of it, which certainly studying for my, for my Master of Wine and working solidly in the wine business, I've learned to really love that part, the, the marketing, the, the supply chain, because getting wine to people and, and teaching them about it in any way possible is really, really exciting for me. Wow, what a path. So you went very seriously into it. I know you don't do things halfway ever. So what was that epiphany moment where you said, wine is going to be my life and you decided to follow your passion? Because a lot of us look for those moments to find our path. And I know many of our friends with us today are really rethinking what they want to do and maybe reprioritize their life. So how did it happen for you and how did you go so strong for it? I think it was when I had the opportunity to really run a wine program, even though it was a small one in, in the restaurant, when I became my own and I started to see sort of the puzzle of, okay, this is the type of food we're serving. Um, these are the different wines, different wine styles. How does that go together? And then that became so absorbing that it really, it just, I'm not even sure there was a conscious decision, but it, it, took, it took over my life and I have loved it so much that I've, I've never looked back or, or considered anything else. And how did your husband look at you as you made that major decision? Was he encouraging it? Was he, you know, a little distant about it or all for it? 100% encouraging 100 percent yes absolutely and and always willing to to sit and and um and argue points with me when i was studying for the master of wine of course you have these very interesting questions that you have to answer about winemaking about grape growing about the business and um you know i would come home from the restaurant he would select a question sort of out of a hat and then we would argue of course <laughs> with a nice glass of wine, um, but no, 100% supportive, and, and it's been a great part of, our, of both of our lives. So we'll come back to this, but a question I've always wanted to ask you, if you were a play in theater, because I'm a huge fan of theater as you are, and certainly have not studied in great depth as you have, what would you be as a play? <laughs> what would I be as a play? Because I know you like British descent, so it has to be Shakespearean, maybe. Maybe, although I'd like to think that there's sort of an existential absurdist twist that, that maybe you don't see on the surface, but maybe if you scratch a little bit, you'll see that there's some Jean Genet or you'll see there's some Eugene Ionesco lurking under the, under the surface. So that's, that's my fantasy, to be an absurdist play. Wow, and I... It's interesting you see UNESCO. I was, that's who came to my mind as far as a great play like 
you know, and attendant Godot, you know, the one in French, of course, and, and others. This is great that you, have you written as well a play yourself that you would want to eventually play one day? Um, I, I, I would have to admit that, that yes, to the first part of your answer, I, I have written a play, but no, I would never want to perform it or have anybody else perform it. It's in, it's locked in a safe somewhere. <laughs> well, we're going to have to find the keys for that. <laughs> but you, you were on the acting side, so I could see you. We've done many presentations together and you're so good on stage and I could totally see you being a major actress. Are you still acting at the same time as, uh, or on a leisure, more leisurely basis these days? No, I, I think, and it's, it, I really, I, I appreciate theater and very, very much appreciate uh, film, but it's kind of what you said earlier. I do like to do things 100%. Yes. And um, when I was pursuing acting, I really wanted that to be my career, my, my profession, my metier. Um, and so I don't think I could do that halfway. Sort of like if I, if, if for some reason another passion struck me, I would still continue to like wine and enjoy it, but I couldn't imagine working in the wine industry, you know, part-time or casually. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna say that sentence. If another passion struck you, do you have another passion? Besides wine, food, your husband, and theater. I mean, if, that, if that's all that one's life is, you know, a great husband, wine, food, theater, I, I can't imagine anything else. Not at this point, but, but I'm open. You, you never know. And you think you found your passion, right, with wine? Absolutely. And, and what do you think is so exciting with wine from enjoying on a leisure basis to becoming such a professional as you are. Maybe give us your view of it, as many people probably listening to us want to become a greater ambassador of wine today. There's, there are so many levels to why I believe in wine, I'm excited about wine, passionate about wine. Um, and this is in no particular order, but one of them would be the diversity. You, yes from styles, from regions, from grape varieties, grape varieties that you and I have never heard of. You know, someone could bring us a bottle tomorrow and we might even say, oh, I didn't know that country was even producing wine. So sense of discovery. That's it. So it's continually stimulating. And then there are so many parts of it from the science to the history, to the, the pure joie de vivre, to the business. You never, never get bored. And then something that has really struck home over the last few months, you know, here we are having a, sharing a bottle of, of wine best we can, yeah. but it's, re I've really felt it's kept me um, and kept us connected to our good friends in the industry um, all around the world. And I don't think, you know, if I open a bottle of these wines, it smells like the place. It reminds me of a time very, very, poignantly and therefore I, I feel you know I I won't make it to Burgundy this year but which is yes sad on the one hand but on the other I get to travel there through the glass and well and we brought it for you I know. <laughs> thank you exactly so what does this wine you know we've selected for you history because you love history and the foundation of the region 
the sense of terroir. So this is Louis Bouillot, you know, the oldest house of Burgundy sparkling wine maker. And we selected my favorite Perle d'Aurore, the Pinot Noir, as you could see here. And so what does this wine, I mean, obviously you have the gift of words, so you know how to describe wine better than I could ever. So tell us about what this wine makes you think, this sparkling wine we have here. This wine, it's sparkling, so it makes me feel joyful. It makes me, it makes me think about celebrating, you know, for good times and also for just a day where the sun is shining so you go out on the back, on the back patio and have a glass. It makes me think about, and, and one of the reasons I love it so much is it makes me think about fruit, but it also makes me think about a savory minerality. And I love the, ba I love the balance in this wine for that. And, and it also makes me think about what I'm gonna have as a, as a little snack later. Ooh, so what are you gonna have as a snack? I'm still formulating that in the back of my head. We'll see. We'll see when I well, get to the Well, give us suggestions later. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, thank you so much for your kind words on the wine. So, Barbara, you, um, you became really engaged in the world of wine when not that many ladies, in fact, uh, two decades ago, really, were not as much involved in the world of wine and specifically in, in your part of the world. So, how was it to really carve yourself such a role? And then how was it to then uh, become one of the first lady really to select wine for all the people of the Western part of Canada? Um, a big question, huh? It is, it is. And I, um, I, I very much think, before my story, I just want to say I very much think that the the struggle is very real still for, for many women in the industry. And, and even though we have more and more role models, you know, it's still, it's still not the usual thing that people think about. That's having right. Said, exactly. For, having said that, for me personally, I think just the timing of it was almost an advantage because I think, you know, there were judging panels or if they wanted to interview a group of sommeliers or something like this, there was beginning to be in the consciousness, oh, well, we should have a woman on the panel. Oh, you know, what woman should we have? And then I was sort of the most obvious at the time. So I got these opportunities. Um, and, and, and I'm happy to say that we've moved beyond that now. And, um, and it's not so, it's also rare to see somebody on a panel, but really for me, it was, it was almost to my advantage that there just had not been that many women going into wine as a profession, particularly in the restaurants. And now in Vancouver, we have so many, so many young women that are, that are running restaurant lists and they're, they're so, so smart and, and yeah. you know, full of energy. So that has, that's been something that's been such a pleasure to see, particularly in Vancouver. Well, I'm, I'm so excited to hear this. And, you know, specifically, we selected the next wine in honor of the ladies of the world. So you obviously know why. This wine is made in Nuit Saint-Georges, in the oldest convent, one of the oldest convent of Burgundy. And the order was Les Ursulines. And it's date back as far as the early 17th century, 1640. And this is a wine that 
My parents started in 1961 as a winery, the Boisset Winery. But what makes me very happy in your honor, and this is why we wanted to select it, one originally made by ladies who were phenomenal in Burgundy, as you well know, and as well, a big innovation, the screw cap. So my question to you, maybe before we talk about innovation is, what message would you have? And I know you've been a tremendous inspiration for many women, many I know in British Columbia as an example, but around the world as a very talented inspiration. And on that note, what message would you have for all the ladies who are maybe not in the wine world today, but want to get into it? And what path do you think they should follow to do so? Luckily, um no matter where you live these days, especially with online, the first thing to do is take a beginner wine class. If you're, if you're very new to it, because that's going to expose you to some of the things we were talking about, some of the aspects, whether it's history or, or business or science. And then within that, find where your strengths are. And by strengths, that doesn't always mean your existing skill set. Your strength might be something that you have energy to study more or you have, you have energy, you have a passion for it, so you follow. So that would be my, my first suggestion. Yeah. And, and then to just, be, to just be open, to be open, to be confident, and to not be afraid to, to ask questions, because as, as we all know who work in the wine industry, uh, you never know everything. Not at all, not even one little small iota. And I think... Yeah you know, sort of in the old fashioned wine, you know, establishment, there was this feeling that it was knowledge held only by a few people. And I have to say the people were usually men. Absolutely. So, sadly. <laughs> sadly. I mean, this has changed, but I mean, that was, if you think of the old establishment, right, that, that was it. And you know, they'd be talking about something, making reference to great varieties or producers. And, you know, one could be very intimidated thinking, well, I don't know what they're saying or, or they're, they're speaking in a, in a different language and I'm not, you know, I'm not following. So that would probably be the number one thing. Do not be afraid to ask okay. a question. Oh, could you, re could you repeat that name? I didn't get it or, or write it down or, or can you explain? I haven't heard of that. And there, there is no shame in that. And in fact, I think that shows a, a curious intellectualism and, and that's how you're, you're really gonna learn and gain confidence. I'm so glad you said that. And, and I'm delighted, you know, just take us as, as a collection of wineries. We have a very large percentage of women. And as over 20 plus winemakers, we have the majority are ladies. So, I'm tempted to ask you this question. <laughs> my big inspiration have always been my grandmothers. My mother is a huge inspiration today. My sister, who you've met. So don't you think women have a better talent for wine tasting than men? As a pure talent, I can't, I can't say I've seen physical, empirical evidence of that. If it, if it looks that way, it's because maybe um, there, is a, there is an openness. And I think I talked about that earlier in, in yes. giving advice. And I think that, that openness and that ability to say, I don't know, 
but I'll learn. Maybe that's more maybe that has been more prevalent in the in the women that's that you work with and, and that have been in your life. Well, I feel often, you know, to give you my two cents of it, and I've I've said that a long time, and I've always been very impressed with the women I mentioned, but a lot of the women I've met in the wine world, because there's that je ne sais quoi interpretation of the wine that is wine and emotion, and that vibrational area on the tangent of the circle, so to speak, is coming from a woman perspective in a great way. And the woman articulates it in such a fashion that you understand it and it takes you to another level. So I nearly feel the role of a wine tasting, whether it's Stephanie Putnam, whether it's Katie Carter, or many of her, Laure Guillotot, who helps Gregory makes this wine that we're tasting, or our very good friend, you know, Mrs. Dupuis in Moreau, that you know in Chablis, I really feel there's that transcendental, emotional sense to the wine that goes beyond sometimes what I, as a man, and winemaking for a long time can see. So often, the ladies take us to, or pushes us to a level we haven't thought of going. Well, I will take your word for it, and I think that's described so eloquently, and, and certainly for myself, the wine takes me there. But I have to say too, my husband, he loves to say, he teaches about wine and, and uh, you know, you'll sort of expect him to say, oh, this, this wine is, you know, 25% this and 75% yeah. that. But sometimes he'll just stand up in the, in the class and say, how does this wine make you feel? That's yeah. what I love. Well, talking about that, tell me, how does this wine make you feel? <laughs> I'll play your husband right now. <laughs> this wine makes me feel calm but alert. Ooh. And and I think uh, I think Pinot Noir and particularly Burgundy does that. And it's that it's that tension of the both, right? It's not. It there's no aggression. You don't. You know. You. It's almost too smooth. Except. There's this, this underlying thing, right? And that's what I think I mean by alertness. That, yeah. you know, it's not, it's not resting back. It's, it's there, it's ready, but it's calm. Ooh. It's balanced. Ooh. You are giving me so much ideas that are coming through my mind. I love it. <laughs> and, and Barbara, no shocking moments that it is a screw cap? That Burgundy is doing screw cap? I love it. I love it. And the, the wine is pristine. It's how the winemaker intended it. And uh, certainly in our market and, and certainly in Western Canada, people don't even, consumers, they don't even ask me about it anymore. You know, I used to get maybe 10 years ago, oh, Barb, what do you think about wine and screw cap? Now they yeah. don't, I don't think they really even notice. Yes, totally agree with you. Now, Barbara, uh, quite amazing, master of wine. So there's, you know, a few hundred people who've been granted this illustrious and very commanding degree. That is really the PhD of wine. <laughs> and how did you go about it? Why did you go so crazy on getting this extremely high profile degree? And what did it bring to you? 
I just wanted, once I was hooked in education, I just, my curiosity took over and I needed to do, to know more and more and more. And the great thing about pursuing something like the Master of Wine is it gives you an excuse to study all kinds of different things. Yes. I mean, now in my, in my job, I, I delve deeper into some aspects, but I don't, I don't, I'm not compelled to stay on the very cutting edge of, of winemaking or grape growing. Master of Wine, you have to do all of that. And I love the fact that it's such a globally minded D diploma so you're studying grape growing winemaking etc and you need to know what's happening in burgundy of course but also south africa um emerging regions in eastern europe asia etc so i i love that and i think it was that stimulus that really kept me going and what was the next part of the question yeah, and, and and what did it bring to you uh, it, it, Besides the prestige, of course, of being part of that very famous circle of great people that take wine to this level. Which is lovely to be in, and it, it's so di diverse as far as people's, uh, what they do for a living as well. For me, it really brought me the gift of discovering the business. Yeah. So, you know, as a sommelier and, and uh, as a, you know, as a younger wine professional, I was obsessed with with you know learning every premier cru and the the Cote d'Or and obsessed with knowing the best producers and and making the best food and wine pairings and of course these are all important beautiful things in the world of wine but if you don't find a way to introduce wine to a general public or you don't find a way of getting wine around the world in large volumes the business goes nowhere and that supports everything so it's it's really the, these two parts of the business. So that really gave me that gift because it forced me to study and learn about and ultimately fall in love with these logistical and business parts of the wine world. Mm. I mean, that's, you know, you can have a small, you know, small producer coming from, uh, coming from Burgundy, coming from France, but that ship's not leaving unless it has uh, containers from filled with, you know, other important, bigger brands that are going around the world. So how many wines per year do you taste? Hmm. 4,000, 5,000 bottles of wine? Yeah, I would say easily 5,000 5, bottles of wine. I mean, there are some, you know, you think of, you know, sitting at a judging where you do easily 100, 100 wines a day or, you know, Bordeaux en Primeur where I'm doing easily 100 wines a day and then all of the tastings in between for, yes. for buying, for judging, for enjoyment. Yeah, 5,000. I've never actually counted, but that, that's probably a good estimate. And what is the most exciting thing when you select wine? Enlighten all our friends listening because you buy for hundreds and hundreds of stores and you have a major influence in people's palate because you put in front of them, you know, different taste profile. It's a major responsibility when you think about it. And so tell us. As a buyer, when I find a wine that tastes like the place it comes from, you know, it's showing the terroir. I read on the label what it is and the wine has, you know, aspects of that terroir but it's a good price and it's in a package that I think consumers will be attracted to, that excites me. 
because wine really has to be that whole package. You know, I don't have the benefit of being with each and every customer like I would in a restaurant. I'm buying it and sort of yeah. putting it on the shelf. So of course I have many, many people that help sell it, but ultimately the, you have to do something that draws the consumer to that product on the shelf. And I get really excited when I can, when it looks like this great mix of marketing, but also true wine, wine with integrity, wine that tastes like the place that I know is accessibly priced for people that I get a real kick out of that. Well, on that note, what trends do you start to see in your parts of the world, in the wine world, that people are really saying, oh, Barbara, here's an email, I thank you for selecting this, or I love this, or can you source more of that? Because I know you have that great exchange with the people of British Columbia, as an example, and Western Canada for what you select. So where do you see all of the taste profile and the preference going these days? Mm -hmm. Um, there are lots of things happening now, and many of them in BC are global trends. Sparkling wine shows no sign of slowing down. Dry rosé shows no sign of slowing down. I think there's more, and particularly with young people, and particularly in the last year, people are wanting to know something about the producer. So they're interested in the flavor of the wine. And they kind of have heard about natural wines and, and vegan wines and things like that. And they might not necessarily be looking for those wines, but I think there's a consciousness. So this is a trend that is really, I mean, and we know it, it's been in the restaurants around the world, but this is something that's really coming to retail now. People being curious. Oh, is it, is it a family producer? Where is it from? Oh, how was the wine made? Was, it, was there a consciousness for the environment? Was there a consciousness for, for the workers at the winery? And this is a very strong trend. And the reason I, I believe in it so much is because yeah. I see people, young people who have just started to come, either they've just started to, to buy alcohol or they've just come out of sort of the, the wine cooler and they're starting to look for something a bit more sophisticated. And these are the questions they're asking. That's great. So what trend among all of those that you observe, mm -hmm. you would like as Barbara Phillips to set for the future in your world? Probably the, probably the latter one. So yes. a trend to, you know, um, to, to, to family, to, um, even larger producers that are sustainably, and we know that there are many examples around the world of this where, where they're a large producer, but they've made the tremendous effort to be sustainable in the vineyard, et cetera. I would love that to be uh, my legacy, if you will, or, or a trend that I'm I really supported. Well, I'm gonna finish my <laughs> Bourgogne Pinot Noir, Les Ursulines. To invite you to go to sustainability, because you know, all our estates are actually organic and biodynamically farmed. So I'm very excited about your statement. I was hoping you would say that <laughs> because it's so important. I mean, what we're living these days, whether it's fires, whether it's catastrophes, whether it's deviation of the terroir is tragic and we can certainly slow it down by being great steward of the land. So this is the next wine, which you kindly selected because it is as well in your wonderful stores. 
So thank you for that. And in many great restaurants in BC and around the world, it's our Chateau de Pierreux, which is that historical brouillé terroir of Burgundy, that blue granite soil. So do you see Beaujolais and, and potentially Gamay and Brouillet coming back a little strongly than it has been over the last 15 years? I do indeed. This has been, um, I mean, it's a real passion of mine. I, I love actually all Beaujolais, um, but particularly the Cru Beaujolais and, and Brouillet is that, that great mix of having enough structure, but also, you know, enough accessible kind of gorgeous fruit uh, to bring people in. So uh, Beaujolais and Beaujolais at a slightly a slightly higher price point, like the Cru Beaujolais, are definitely a trend in our stores. And, and people love them for their food matching. People love them for their, you know, it's, it's even a little bit, uh, you know, they feel they're getting a sense of Burgundy, um, but, you know, at, a, at an accessible price. And I think they feel when they select a Cru Beaujolais that they, you know, they're kind of, they've got the inside track a little bit. And is it why you selected this one? I think so. And also, this is, this is one of the wines, I would say, um, that, mm. has that, that has that package, right? Sustainably produced, well-priced, well-packaged, and tastes, there is no denying it, like the place. Like yeah. Beaujolais, like Cru Beaujolais, like Bruy. Exactly. Well, thank you for those compliments. Now, Barbara, you are, of course, an exceptional woman. Everybody over the last 35 minutes have noticed it. You've done so much. What inspires you the most? I know besides wine, though. You cannot just say wine. <laughs> you cannot just say your husband. <laughs> I love, um, I mean, I love getting out for, for a good run. I, uh, uh, you know, this would be the time I would normally be training for the semi-marathon. That's Canada. right. Because yeah. nobody could see your fabulous, powerful, and muscular legs because they don't know, but you do the Marathon of Bordeaux, right? Uh, and, Bordeaux, I have not yet. I have not but yet. You, you've done many in the vines, and it's amazing. So you do semi-marathon, right? Mm -hmm. That's a big deal. Well, it, it's enough that it's a challenge, but it doesn't really, you know, you can still sort of walk the next day as, a, as opposed to a marathon. And I, I do love, I do love discovering new places that way, whether it's even on city streets that I'm running down or, or in the vineyards. I, I love that. Um, my, you know, my, my friends and my family, and especially over the last few months, um, you know, I've really treasured all of the, the virtual contacts that I've had with people. You know, we, we have friends in the neighborhood, they come over, we sit six meters away and, and enjoy a good bottle of wine. And, and these are very simple things, but they inspire me no end. That's right. What else is there, right? In many ways. Is it, is it, well, if there was a big learning over the last seven months that you've, uh, you've experienced and you've going to take away, what would that be? Besides what you just said, which is friends and realizing what is important to you, is there anything else that you want to share? I think maybe just to continue on that thought, maybe just to, to slow down a little. Yeah. 
I do have lots of energy and, and I will go, go, go. And, and most people I know, you're certainly included in that. Love to, love to go and, and do so many, so many things. Um, but the discovery that I can actually really quite be calm and stay home and really enjoy it, I, I had no idea. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, I will echo that. This has been my big discovery as well. I thought by being home for so long, I could not. And I was almost kicked out a few times by my lovely wife and daughters, but luckily they found me a room outside of the property, so I'm still invited in once in a while. <laughs> so Barbara, one of the most ultimate questions of the afternoon here, what message would you like to send to all our friends listening? After what we've lived for seven months, and it doesn't have to be a message related to this, it could be anything you want to share that would be a message to all the people that have been with us for 45 minutes. Well, I, I think if you're curious to, curious enough to have watched this and, and you obviously like wine and drink wine, and I would say just um, be thankful for that and recognize that, that uh, we are so very lucky to, to have access to wine and that we can we can taste a place and connect with each other. So well said. Well, Barbara, I want to thank you so much. We started the bubble. I saved the little bubble for you because I know it's one of your drink of choice. Oh, yes. And I really want to thank you so much for being with us tonight because one, you're so charming as we all realize always. And you have so much to say, so much inspiration, so much passion, so much to give to others, and you're such a trendsetter. So I want to thank you on the behalf of all the people in the wine world for all what you do for the wine world and for the consumers, and to set new trends and to be such a great leader. And it's great to see you again. It has been way too long since we've had. So much my pleasure. Thank you so much, Rochelle. My, my great pleasure. Salty, and to the next semi-marathon with a glass of wine. <laughs> Fabulous.